Welcome back to Beyond the 9 to 5. Today we're going to be talking all about the future of work, which is something that's been, I think, on everyone's mind recently. We're going to kind of break it down, pull some stats, and kind of have a little discussion about it and what we think. So, with that, let's go into our check-ins. How was your week, Letty? How was your first day of school? Oh my gosh. First day back is like probably the most stressful day for me just because like I don't know where any of my classes are physically. I don't like to pre-plan that. I just like to whimsically day of do it and then feel stressed and feel that pressure. But my classes are really interesting. I'm taking today I had coding and data skills and my professor was really, really cool really understanding and even told us he was like I was never actually interested in computer science and programming I thought it was too hard for me and he was like there were moments where I was in class and I was like this makes no sense I'm never gonna figure it out it's like so like I hear you if you experience that know that you trust me I was like oh my god I've never had a professor tell me that about coding (laughs) they're all like you have it or you don't so I'm very excited to finally be able to like get comfortable in that kind of environment Um, And I have mobile media development, which is my favorite class because as someone that wants to have an app development company in the future, this class is all about that. So it's a little bit of like web design in there, but learning how to code, program, and upload apps to the app store. So I'm very, very excited. Um, But oh my gosh, this is the highlight of my week okay I you know how like sometimes you just like impulsively need to comment on a celebrity's TikTok like it's not even one that's like your niche interest it's just like you kind of like the video so you you've got to say something that happened to me today you guys okay get this so I was just on TikTok I saw Paris Hilton all right listen her baby is so freaking cute so the video was like a clip of uh, her and her husband at their wedding. And he was saying like in his vows how much he loved her clubitis because she is a club rat. Um, love that queen. But mm-hmm. uh, it was an honor of that. And then she posted her son who had little tiny like discs just like jamming out. Okay. Here's the thing though. She was like, it's hereditary. Um, Clubitis is like a lifestyle. And I was like, I am swimming for the Clubitis lifestyle. I know, it's iconic. So I said that in a comment and like not even 45 seconds later, you guys, she responded. Can't be stopped laughing emoji. It wasn't even a minute, you guys. Like I was losing it. So now people can't stop commenting or liking um, my comment. I'm famous. But Mm -hmm. I am just... It's my lock screen for a reason because like my phone can be super dry. At least Paris Hilton responded. Oh my gosh. I love, 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 love that. That's so funny and just like iconic. I love Paris Hilton. (laughs) She's honestly, she's like what? She's a great businesswoman. She's so she is so savvy and so Mm -hmm. incredibly smart and really like a classic, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I love her like outfits. Like they're so fun. The pink, the sparkles. It's just iconic. she's my icon anyways how was your week my week has been good so far it's only wednesday so i mean i haven't done too much i actually took a sick day today 
Um, I just woke up not feeling the best, just like mentally and also physically my body was just not cooperating with me today. So I took the day to rest. That was kind of nice to just set aside my work for a little bit. I watched a lot of Netflix, which was fun. I'm excited to get back into the swing of things tomorrow. Let's see what else has happened. Honestly, nothing much. Um, But I'm going to be getting ready to go to Vegas soon. So I've been having fun, like picking out outfits and like planning where to go and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really excited. I've never been to Vegas ever. I'm kind of like scared of what I will see what will happen. I'll I'll give an update once I get back, but I don't know what to expect. You just like won't hear from her at all, but you will hear when she's back. We're like fingers crossed yeah. on that one though. No, yeah. I have never been. Have you been to Vegas before? No. The only time I've considered going because like I don't know. I mean, I have friends that live in Las Vegas. I don't think I could deal. Like, I really don't feel like I could deal with that environment. The only yeah. time I thought about going is for the Las Vegas Grand Prix. But yeah. that was a disaster. So I'm glad I didn't go. Everyone kept saying, like, it's great at night. It's so beautiful at night. It's so pretty. But, like, during the day, it's, like, pretty gross and, like, grimy. <laughs> and I'm not someone that, like, likes big cities that are, like, gross and grimy. So we'll see. I'll <laughs> give you guys an update. But I'm really excited for that trip because I haven't been on, like, a trip trip in a hot minute. I don't think like and I'm going with Gabe my boyfriend and I'm going with my friend and her brother so it'll be really fun it's a fun group of people so I have that to prep for this weekend so looking forward to that so today's topic feature of work it can kind of be applied to like a variety of levels of if you're about to apply for a job you're still technically thinking about the future of work because things are going to change within the next year um or if you currently have a job and you're thinking about transitioning or you're just curious about new technologies or resources that are available to you or things you should be paying attention to those are kind of the things we're going to talk about today but also we're going to talk about the reality of the workforce which is rejection um and fear of not meeting certain skill requirements so it's kind of just going to be like our two cents on it, but as people that are like currently in the workforce and have either gone through the job application process or are currently going through it, uh, we have a lot of insight from people on the inside, and I think that can really bring some value today. Perfect. So I guess the first thing I want to start off with is to prepare for uncertainty. Uncertainty in receiving an offer, uncertainty in what our jobs will look like in 10 years, all that kind of stuff. So I guess first off, rejection. It's going to happen. It's to be expected. It's just part of the process. So don't feel bad. I think for every interview or like phone call that I got asked to do, I think I got like five or six or tens or hundreds of different rejections. And I think that's that rings true for a lot of people looking for jobs right now. And it's just part of the process. So don't feel bad about it. Don't take it personally. Why don't we just share a little bit about like our experience with like rejection and how we kind of manage that and how we process those feelings. Yeah, no, totally. So as someone that's heading into the workforce, uh, I mean, you know, I started working for my father's company, so I have a direct connection within that one. And the other one I started working at in high school and immediately had that one. And then I got promoted on the inside from another job. So I don't really have experience of trying to enter into a job and not necessarily getting it. But I do know that's coming. Um, because a lot of the jobs I'm going to be applying for are going to require a variety of different skills and a variety of different backgrounds. So for me, it's really about how do I prepare myself for rejection opposed to how do I deal with it. Um, I have severe anxiety around rejection. I don't like being told no. Um, I can handle criticism, but when it's just a flat out no and there's no other response or feedback for me, 
that's very, very hard. So the way I deal with that in rejection or preparing for it is that I just set this expectation that this is my opportunity to also interview them. This is my opportunity to get to know if this is a company that works for me. Because after having worked for small businesses, if I'm going to go into a large business, I want them to align with the same values that I have and the jobs I had before. I want the employers to still have the same attitude or mindset that my previous employers have had. And so I really look at it as like, this is my turn to also understand if we clicked or not. Because sometimes if you walk into an interview, you can be like overselling it and say, oh my gosh, that connection was perfect. It was amazing. It was awesome. And you get into the job and you're like, this is not the vibe. These are not the kind of people that I thought I was working with. I have been in that kind of work experience. So it does make it hard if you oversell that experience to yourself. Be honest with yourself and prepare yourself to be honest because the job that you are wanting will come to you if you were to kind of let that go. Also preparing for rejection, I constantly ask for feedback in whatever I'm doing. So student organizations, I ask for feedback. I put myself into environments where I have to talk to my peers about stuff and get their feedback. Because if I can't explain something to a friend and they don't get it, then I'm not going to be able to explain that to anyone else. And then also feedback from whatever my professors are giving me, because those are people that have had experience in those industries or have taught other people who got to the jobs they wanted. So I send my resume to get reviewed by career services and also by professors and people that I know. So it's how many people can you filter through to feel confident about yourself that when you send in that resume and you don't get the answer you wanted, you know you're still a strong and valuable candidate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I had a very similar experience where I applied to a job and I read the qualifications and I felt like I was really underqualified, but I applied anyways. And somehow they asked for a phone interview. And I don't know, it just wasn't meant to be. Like, I just knew in the way that it was going that it was like, ooh, like, yeah, no. Maybe personality-wise, I'm like a good fit. But in terms of like actual skills and qualifications I have, like, I'm like, this is not what I want to do exactly. And this is also not a good fit for them because I'm not the person that they need, right? I kind of knew in my head, I kind of had a gut feeling that I was like, this is not going to work. Like, I just knew. And I don't know, I feel like I just had a feeling. And when I got the job I currently have now, the whole process, I just felt like it felt, it wasn't easy, but it just felt more natural to me. So therefore I knew that it was going the way it was supposed to. Just kind of feeling it out and feeling it in your gut is also really important. Because if you think that you're not going to fit well or that you're underqualified for it, you're not going to enjoy this like interview process. Obviously no one enjoys rejection, Sometimes rejection can be for the better because if I worked at that other company, I feel like I would be struggling so hard because it just was it just didn't align with my interests and my skills. So I really do think that you just have to trust the process, which is something that everyone always says, but it's like actually trust the process because like Letty said, they want to get to know you and you want to get to know them. It's like a two-way relationship. It's not like a one-sided thing. Whenever I got rejected, I took it so personally at first. I did. I would like be really sad about it. Like I wouldn't cry or anything, but I'd just be like, ugh, like I feel like I'm not like good enough for anything. And I think that's a really common thing that a lot of people feel right now because it's just so hard to get a job. But, you know, you put in the work. You just keep trying to learn and keep trying to grow and expand your resume. And there will be a job out there for you that is perfect perfect for you. So wise, wise words. I feel like another thing that helps is making a spreadsheet of all of the jobs that you apply to. 
Um, because if you just constantly apply and you give them your email, then your inbox is going to be filled with either tons of rejections or possibly tons of exceptions. But you've also got to understand that like after a while, those are going to pile up. You're going to feel like that's all you're looking at when you open email. It's going to deter you from either work you're supposed to be doing or just opening your email to hear back from those employers or check if maybe they followed up because sometimes they do. After you apply to a job, enter it into like an Excel spreadsheet, you know, what job was it for? What title were you applying for? And then what was the answer? And what was the date of that? And just track all of that. After a while, you'll start to see that trend of like, okay, these are jobs that are like a no for me. So I don't have to focus on those. These were like, uh, I got second interview. These were a yes, you know, and after a while, you start to see a pattern of like where your strengths are being acknowledged. And it might not be a ton of yeses, but if you just find a couple and a sea of no's, I promise you, it's going to make you feel like you're not wasting your time because a company already seeks value in you and that might be a company that you already have a good starting relationship with so true it's such a scary thing but it's also such an exciting thing i think letty and i are kind of in different spots where letty's like starting the process of job search i've already kind of done it and i'm not really thinking about that at the moment so it's like interesting to see like you know your idea with the spreadsheet i did not even do that but like i would love to have done that if i could go back I feel like also preparing for uncertainty means that you need to prepare for things that you don't see coming in your interviews. Like, I know for myself, um, one of the jobs that I got um, as an assistant manager at, the question I was asked was, what was my, like, five to ten year plan? And I'd never been asked that. (laughs) And first of all, it was at a job that I knew I wasn't going to stay at. I think a lot of people, not a lot of people, I think maybe... When you're fresh out of college, the mindset is you're going to be there for a very long time because it's your first job. You got to stay overcommitted. The reality of it is, is that's not true. Like so many people will have a variety of jobs in their lifetime. And even people that I know that are in higher positions don't even think that's where they're going to stop. They're going to keep going. They know they're going to transition to a new job and a new company. And that should be their expectation is that you should be able to be honest with that future employer in that interview, because if they're a good connection and the right fit for you, they're going to fit you into their company where best and help align you with those goals. Good employer, what's the best for you? And if they think you're the greatest contribution to their team, they're going to do whatever they can to really get you to be there. And they know you're not going to always be long term. If that's part of your plan, that's great. But the reality of it is, is probably not. If you want to climb mm-hmm. the ladder, it involves working multiple jobs, transitioning into different industries, or bouncing around to different branches. It takes a lot. But if you're upfront and honest, I promise it'll make interviewers and um, HR managers feel a lot more comfortable working with you. Mm-hmm uncertainty I think you also have to consider like the timeline for the job search process it takes a while it really does and I think there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that it can kind of feel really unstable and really stressful because that's what happened to me is I had this job and they just took forever to get back to me you know like yes they they emailed me like you know maybe like two or three weeks after I submitted the application then they're like let's set up a phone call I did the phone call. I didn't hear back for like another couple more weeks. I did a first interview, second interview, third interview, and then I didn't hear back for a long time. So there's just a lot of external factors that kind of play into the job search process and we don't necessarily see, but you have to keep in mind it's going through the right people. It's going through, you know, the managers. It just takes a lot of time. Because it can take a long time, depending on the company. And I think if a company does take a while, um, 
this might not this might not be true for every company, but if they take a while, then that means that there must be a lot of people and that they're being really, really intentional and really selective about who they're picking. So I kind of took that waiting time as a, they really care about this position and they want to hire the right type of person. So therefore I kind of stuck it out, even though I could have very well just like applied to more stuff and just like gone with the first company that could take me. I'm kind of glad I played the waiting game and waited till the end because the result was so worth it. So I think one of the last topics that we can touch on in uncertainty is understanding that, you know, your job is kind of not necessarily at stake, but AI and automation definitely plays a very big role into entry-level jobs. That's not to say that your the job that you want right out of college isn't going to happen. It's just to say that you will start to see a pattern of other jobs using like, or other companies using VR or AR into their um, work. And that eliminates, you know, the need to have a certain creative content director or marketer or something. And that also limits the amount of jobs that they need to have at those companies. So I think a lot of people look at it as like, there are no jobs right now. Like the job market sucks. There are no jobs. Well, the truth of the matter is, is with the power of AI, people can get the bare minimum done. And if they can get the bare minimum done, they can just say, oh, well, I don't need to hire someone right now for XYZ. I'll just come back to it later. Or I can outsource it to a third party because at the end of the day, I can get half the work done and someone else can do all the nitty gritty details. So you're kind of going to be up against another company who can not necessarily replace you, but offers a little bit more value for less time and money as to hiring a specific person. But there are still other jobs out there that automation cannot replace right now. The biggest one that I think I've seen all around is sales because it takes a personal, personal relationship and you know, sales isn't something that a lot of people want to really go into unless you're a very personable person and you like to make those kinds of connections. Automation can't do that. You know, so think about those kinds of jobs where very high quality skills and communication skills are going to be valued because Automation isn't going to cover that. If you're doing creative writing, be careful because there are other programs or companies that offer those kinds of services for less. Just know that you're going to have to really work on your resume to detail quantitative results over just the skills that you have. If you can provide those, companies will look at that. So that's another thing that I think people need to predict. Yeah, I think AI has definitely been a topic that's been at the forefront of my mind because I know for sure that, you know, I see this kind of with like software, like AI is kind of being able to do that. Same with, you know, writing. I saw a study that said that 37% of people are worried that automation is putting jobs at risk. It's up 30 to 30% from 2014, which goes to show the transformation of the workspace and how people are thinking about it. But I also saw another study that said that 73% of people think that technology can never replace the human mind. And to some extent, I do agree. I don't know too much about AI, but I really think that they can't quite replicate the human mind yet. There could be very well a time where they can, but I think for now... I don't think it could replace human work. I don't know. I Again, I'm not too knowledgeable about AI because the field that I work in does not use it. Um, so I don't really know much about it. But yeah, I feel like it's definitely an interesting conversation to have and just to think about when you're looking for jobs and kind of future-proofing your career. Yeah, 100%. And though 
I would say if you are able to combine knowledge, skills, and background in AI or tech, even in the slightest thing, like uh, LinkedIn Learning, if your college has that, you can get certified in certain software programs uh, like UI, UX, or uh, if you use HubSpot Academy, that is a free resource where you can get certificates um, like search engine optimization, web design and publishing. Um, and those are really great resources to add to your resume because it shows that you can transfer skills that are, you know, maybe they might be more technical, maybe it's a job in software and computer programming, but you can easily translate that into a job that requires those skills or is marketing that to another company, but you speak both of those languages. And that's not something that a lot of people often bring to the table right out of college. Mm -hmm. Um, so, or even if they're entering the workforce, um, you know, a lot more students are picking up on that pattern now. So it's really important that you actually take advantage of those because people will hear about it and hear about it and hear about it, but they won't use it because they don't realize the power of it. But that's what's going to put you over a, you know, third party service that can't be there long term. I think being as proactive as possible is the best route to go, like taking those courses. I think it's such a great thing. And I've also been looking myself at taking some courses just to kind of expand my knowledge. And I've had this really interesting conversation with many people, but you know, the things that we learn in school, they're never really applicable in the real world, in my opinion. At least what I've learned, I've never really been able to fully apply to my job now. And I think that what we're learning in schools is great foundational knowledge, but real skills are built through experiences, experiences like internships, jobs, things like that, or like more spe- specified courses. So I really think that um, the term like skill based skills based hiring is something that I kept seeing a lot when I was doing research for this episode is talking about how skills matter way more than your schooling and like where you went to school, which is so, so true. Um, I mean, for me personally, I did not study anything related to marketing. I took one marketing class and it was an intro level class. That's it. I studied music and I studied communications, but I did not go in with a business degree. But what I did do though, since I knew that I wanted to go into marketing, I specifically sought out job opportunities and internship opportunities in college that would allow me to like grow those skills and really learn from that. So I really think that, you know, you don't need to be going to a really, really top tier prestigious school. You can just get real life experience. And I'm finding that or I'm realizing that a lot of workplaces value those skills more than anything. 100%. I mean, the reality of it is, is even if you want to say that your grades play into it, the truth of the matter is, is that Recruiters are using AI to scan resumes. So when you submit a resume and you think it's going to some kind of portal and they read through them individually, no. It goes through this AI system, and the system uses uh, keywords. So it's searching for whatever your employer is looking for in that job. And that's usually found in the, you know, the job description or the requirements or responsibilities of the job. If you don't have that on your resume or if you don't have those skills listed as just skills and you've written it out in long paragraphs or long sentences detailing, you know, the quality, not even the quantity, but just kind of fluffing it a little bit, your resume is not going to make it through because the AI is simply trying to match if you're even a good fit. So you have to really, one, when you look at that job, you have to be able to realize like, okay. I may have done X, Y, Z, and I can put that on the resume, but I also have to have a section that's just about skills because 
I've got to match whatever is, you know, on that job description that I am capable of doing and put that on the resume so that it gets through in the first place. Um, there are companies out there that are still, you know, one by one reviewing resumes. It depends on the scale of that company. But for most, they're all doing this, you know, the larger companies. So the mm-hmm. biggest thing is, you know, looking up current resume templates or researching what are the best key action verbs that you can use for your resume. That's what I do under my experience. Um, each little bullet point is an action or, well, what did I do and what reason, action verb of what I did. And then um, what were the quantitative or outcome results for that? It's very simple. It's a really simple formula. I found it online, so you can call me too, or you can DM us and I'll send it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very simple process because that is the bare minimum that they need to read. You can sell yourself in an interview, but it's much harder to get that paper through the front door first. Mm-hmm. I totally agree about the quantitative information. That's so, so important because you can write and you can chat GPT as much as you want, but like the numbers, they tell the truth, right? I think unless you're really, really talented and gifted at writing, like I don't think it should be like on quantitative things. And for me personally, I really think that showing that you have a passion outside of what you're going to be doing is really, really important as well. Because at least from my experience, um, and it kind of depends on the company and their values, but I find that companies like really value the type of person you are. They value someone that's, you know, authentically them and not just like saying stuff that they want to hear, you know? So I think also before you go into any type of interview situation, you need to sit down and like look through the entire job description and have experiences, examples, and just like personable stories to tell because that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for some cookie cutter answer like, oh yeah, yeah, I did this and that because this, you know, they want to see your personality. I think this is also something that's really important too. Like you need to take account your personality and like what kind of person you are because that's also important too. Not just the numbers. I think really being prepared and just understanding what your values are, not just data-based reasons is also really important as well because I put on my resume a lot of things that I really care about like sustainability and photography and I don't necessarily use those skills but it shows that I have a lot of different passions and pursuits outside of my day-to-day and that's what they value is someone that's really well-rounded and cares about not just their job because they want to have that person that brings balance into the workplace. Yeah that's very very true and I think that you know once you're also able to identify those skills, it makes it very easy to talk about in that interview and then also be able to talk about what you want to do in the future with that. Um, and that gives your employer a much more rounded mindset of like what kind of a worker you are and what kind of resources they should provide you with. And that's a really big thing. Also, since we talked a little bit about automation, to tie those two together, I think the biggest thing is understanding that the job market is changing for the variety of industries that are available because there's so many, you know, marketing firms and then marketing specialists and marketing techs that those jobs are not as in demand. Those roles are already being filled and they're usually being hired within. So, you know, those higher end skilled jobs are where it's going to really fall under. A lot of STEM is always going to be like in the top degrees um, that they're looking for, opposed to, you know, a marketing degree where you take pretty much all the same prerequisites together, but then you take all these individual classes that really narrow in on what you're supposed to be doing. So being able to realize that 
STEM doesn't mean you always have to specifically do something in that field. You can still work in marketing under technology, but it's very, very important to have skills in front of house and back of house because you bring more value to the table. So knowing that that's becoming a future trend of STEM majors being more in demand, or not even necessarily STEM majors, but STEM jobs being more in demand, prepare yourself with those skills because it's going to feel like you're already catching up with that trend by the time you're applying for a job or moving to a new one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in case the listeners don't know, I'm in marketing, but I work for an aerospace company, which falls under STEM. So I think for me, like I honestly did not know much about the aerospace industry. And that was asked in my interview, like they were like, do you know anything about aerospace? And I was honest, I said, no, I don't. And I think the one thing I can say to anyone that, you know, might be in a more creative focused mindset or in a creative field that wants to transfer into a STEM field is just be curious. And that's the main thing that I found that's really, really paid off for me is I'm curious. I ask people what things mean. I like do so much research in my free time about the aerospace industry and what's happening around me. So I feel like I'm pretty well informed on what's going on. And I've learned so, so much. Like don't let STEM intimidate you. It's a challenge, yes, because we're not used to thinking like that and we're not used to being in that world. Don't let it scare you off because if anything, those STEM industries want creatives like me and like anyone else listening that identifies as a creative person. They want those fresh new ideas. They want those curious people that want to learn. They want those types of people in the workplace. Even though we might not think so, there is a space for us in STEM. So I found, according to Forbes magazine, these are the top 10 most in-demand skills for the next 10 years. Top number one is digital literacy. Second is data literacy, critical thinking, emotional intelligence, creativity, collaboration, flexibility, leadership skills, time management, and curiosity. Obviously, I think as younger generation people, we already have that digital literacy. So we have that going for us because we are all pretty much digitally literate. If I'm thinking of the definition that I'm thinking of, I think the next thing was leadership skills. It's so important because I was reading that a lot of, you know, upper management and leadership positions, it's, you know, getting filled by older generation people. So, you know, they're starting to retire and those spots are now empty. So you know, having those leadership skills can be really beneficial in order to get you up higher because, you know, there needs to be enough people going in as they're going out. And right now there, I don't think there is much of that. So very important to consider when you're looking for your up your next job. Yes, I definitely love those because, you know, because I want to review the top 20 in demand skills right now, but you'll see like a trend of like why they're being talked about now but also think about the fact that like those topics were so broad and how much more general they can be or even just how much more in detail they can be like down to very niche specific industries or fields that you're interested in so I think that will also help you kind of like if you're thinking about how can I advance in a job how can I climb up the ladder in a certain company like that's what you have to pay attention to is how can you, how can you develop those skills from what they are currently so first um one of the first in demand skills for today's work environment is cloud computing. Um, so we talked about STEM, but it kind of falls definitely really under that. Um, so I have never taken a course in cloud computing, but I know that at the university that I go to, one of the ones that they teach in computer science is Udemy. 
So that's just U-D-E-M-Y. Um, and then you can type in like if you have a specific platform you want to work with or if there's a certain software that you need to use. Um, and then there's just like intro basics to it. Um, but that's a really good resource because you can get a certificate with that course and it's free. Um, and so if that's something that you really want to put on your resume, if that's a field of interest for you, just know that's out there. Another one on here is time management. Everyone has their own relationship with TikTok. But honestly, I learned some kind of like the best time management practices from TikTok of like the 20 minute mark of taking your phone and placing it on the other side of your house for 20 minutes and then going back and doing something. And then after 20 minutes, you can go get it. Uh, Like your reward system that you set up with yourself. But YouTube, honestly, like I just researched like, you know, TED Talks surrounding time management or anything that has to do with like a certain business person being able to explain like their day-to-day routine of how they manage their time, but also, you know, talk about their personal lives. That honestly gives me a lot of comfort to know that other people stress with that and that there are people out there who have actual scientific studies to back their claims. Um, so that really helps me. I've gotten several different practices from TED Talks specifically um, of different, you know, doctors being able to explain the science behind why you need to set up certain systems for yourself in order for the way your brain is wired. Another one is mobile app development. Okay, Figma is my favorite. That is for prototyping an app. I, the reason why I like it so much is because it partners and has uh, different APIs. But once you have that integration, they have a variety of different companies you can work with in Figma that really is able to give you a whole view of the mobile app that you're trying to design. Um, so that's why I really like working with them. SEO and SEO marketing. My favorite one is HubSpot Academy. You can get a long list of SEO certifications. I mean, you don't even have to take a course in school. Like you can honestly just go get certified in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I highly recommend that because it is free. If you're into, you know, coding, any kind of digital or data skills at all, I, so my professor actually created this, but it's called Code Actually. Um, it's a website that breaks down a bunch of different software programs. It teaches you elementary coding information, teaches you the fundamentals of designing an app and all of the kind of resources you're going to learn. So even like Erica said, even if you're not fully invested in learning any of that, you can learn the basics or at least know certain resources that are accessible to you. Um, if your job description ever requires you to go near it, even if you choose not to deep dive in it, you may just have to do a little bit of research on it. Yeah, those are all such good resources. I'm definitely going to check out that code actually thing because that sounds so fun. And oh my God, I fr- okay, I need to find this because there was a video game that I got. <laughs> it's called Rabbids Coding, R-A-B-B-I-D-S Coding. And I think it's for children, but like it's a game that basically kind of like teaches you the principles of coding. And I actually played it a little bit and it was actually really fun. So maybe I'll take a look at that. And then I'll also like use the um, coding website you're talking about. But I don't know, if you learn more like in a video game sense, the Rabbids Coding one might be a good one. I really like Skillshare. They have lots and lots of courses. I think you do have to pay, but you get like seven free days and it's like, I don't know, 25 bucks a month and you can get all sorts of classes on there. Like I've seen things on like e-commerce uh, skills and tactics I've seen marketing things on there and like how to use Adobe and all those different types of software I think that's so so cool and there's like so much stuff out there that there's really no excuse to be uneducated because there's so much information out there okay just use it I know it's out there most of it is free or very inexpensive if you're prepared you're gonna be the first candidate they think of mm-hmm, for sure 
And then something else a lot of people have been talking about recently is just like being your own boss and um, just like having your own business and being an entrepreneur. I feel like it's such a buzzword nowadays and everyone kind of wants to be a business owner. But next week, we're going to be talking all about entrepreneurship, how to start something from the ground up. If you have a solution to a problem and you want to make it a reality, we're going to go through and kind of talk about everything entrepreneurship. I have my own startup, so I'm going to be talking a little bit about that. And we'll be bringing in my team members to discuss the way that we started Pina Designs. It's going to be a really, really fun and interesting conversation about entrepreneurship, how we came up with the idea and what we're doing now. So be sure to stay tuned for next week's episode. If you think of starting your own company or if you know that you want to get involved with a startup, make sure that you are staying up to date with our Instagram, Beyond95Pod. We will be posting a poll or an answer form and you'll be able to go in and ask questions, um, learning a little bit more about startups. So make sure that you want to get those questions answered, put them in. Um, we'll make sure that we spread that information. So stay tuned and we'll see you next week.